This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice, are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the Titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. Hello and welcome to Titans of Wrestling. Kelly Nelson in the hosting chair this evening, and it's a it's a two man uh, group tonight. Two Titans. Uh, we are doing the Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki fight from June twenty fifth, nineteen seventy six, and tonight is June twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. Oh. So. It, the 40th anniversary. Um, there's a lot um, to talk about regarding this fight, how it came about, all kinds of crazy crap. So it's going to be a fun show. Um, of course, I'm joined by Johnny Sorrow. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good, man. And uh, I wanted to, not to kick off the show as something that's sort of a downer, but uh, I wanted to get this out here. And uh, this is addressed to all you guys and gals. Oh, no, wait, let's face it, guys that uh, listen to this show, Titans, um, you know, the, all the various brain busts or whatever. Uh, um, my roommate, Mark, uh, who we've been roommates for 10 years, uh, we're all just a big family here. His sister, Camille, uh, some months back was diagnosed with uh, uh, breast cancer and uh, she's uh, set up a GoFundMe. Uh, for reasons I'm going to read you right now, that um, and uh, let's see if uh, those of you guys, you guys out there, wanted to maybe help out a little bit here. So it's called a uh, Camille versus versus breast cancer. So she went for a fight motif. Uh, Appropriate. Yeah, and, uh, uh, her name is Camille Lewis, and she was diagnosed with aggressive stage three invasive inductal carcinoma last October. Uh, they started with aggressive chemotherapy and followed that with a bilateral radical mastectomy. She's now in round three against the toughest opponent she's ever faced in her life, which is 10 more weeks of radiation therapy. For those of you who haven't tried it before, don't, uh, we don't recommend it. Radiation therapy sucks. 
The side effects are extreme pain and an inability to function. Most medications for pain are not effective for uh, Camille. Of course, living here in Colorado, she has tried the medical marijuana route, which is not a viable solution because it makes her head fuzzy and she's unable to focus or function. Uh, she recently discovered, uh, I can't, I can't remember if I can pronounce this, a, can, a cannabidiol, cannabid, uh, cannabid, uh, CBD, we'll call it. Uh, it's a skin compound that keeps her uh, focused, productive, and pain-free. Uh, CBD is a compound found in marijuana that does not contain any THC, which is the compound that generates the psychoactive high effect, which I'm experiencing right now. Uh, <laughs> this compound has been a miracle for Camille. It's enabling her to engage in the healing process optimistically and without any pain. And, of course, here in America... The compound is not covered by insurance, and it is very expensive. Uh, we, we estimate that the cost for the product is going to be uh, $4,200 over the 10-week course of her radiation therapy. This fight has been hard on uh, her and her family, myself included, and the end is in sight. Uh, she's found a new love of life and appreciation for all the things it has to offer. She can't wait to see her grandkids grow up, and you guys can help. Uh, and She appreciates uh, any, any help, and all you got to do is just go to GoFundMe.com, and in the search, type in Camille versus breast cancer. It's a C-A-M-I-L-L-E-V-S for Versa and breast cancer uh, in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, you can, uh, and that's where you can donate. And uh, any little bit helps. Not to be all like the, the old infomercial for the price of a cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> but seriously, for the price of a a Starbucks cup of coffee, or even let's say cheaper, because that's like eight bucks now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like a buck, anything, you know, uh, you know, be groovy, caramel, pay it back. And uh, you know, we've never asked you guys for anything uh, before, uh, but uh, if you all could help out, that'd be pretty goddamn groovy. So uh, thanks in advance. Yes, that's awesome, Johnny. And uh, yeah, listeners out there, please uh, give what you can. Okay. So, tonight, the big fight, Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. Yes, folks, this happened. Um, boxer versus wrestler. Um, it was, you know, uh, it's a pretty crazy story how it all came about. Tonight, we're going to be looking at all kinds of footage. Um, of course, we got the fight itself. And yes, tonight will be the first Titans 2-in-1. Where we will uh, first, we'll be talking about basically everything that led up to the fight, uh, footage surrounding that, and then we are going to do a Mystery Titans theater on not only the Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki fight itself, all 15 glorious rounds, but as a bonus um, from Shea Stadium, the same uh, day in 1976. Uh, Andre the Giant versus Chuck Wepner in a boxer versus wrestler match. Um, so we got two of those to do. Mystery Science, uh, or Mystery Titans hey, Theater hey, style. Copyright, go on. Copyright TM. You, you already had enough copyright problems, sir. Yes. yes. Double secret probation. <laughs> yeah, this episode, getting this uh, up on YouTube uh, is not going to happen because... I basically was – I ran afoul of the Yakuza or, or uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, no, that, um, that's right. That's like... <laughs> and uh, I, I, they, uh, they, they 
got me on uh, probation on YouTube. So this is going to be on Daily Motion, the alternative uh, video streaming it's, source. It's, it's it's their tech wing. It's a bunch. It's a bunch of skinny little nerdy Japanese guys in rooms full of computers, but they also wear the Cosby sweaters, like the Yakuza. That's yeah, because I uploaded the video of the two fights um, to watch it that way. Um, makes it easier than having to uh, put in discs and all that. And within like a couple hours, it was taken down. And yeah, I was uh, forced to go to copyright school on YouTube, <laughs> which is you're supposed to watch a video and then answer four true or false questions. <laughs> I thought you were, I, I thought you were kidding me when you told me. No, man. No, that was it's totally legit. I didn't watch the video, though. I looked at the questions. I'm like, I think I know the answer to these. So I just answered them, and I got them all right. But I'm still on, um, like, six months probation, unfortunately. And I can't upload a video longer than 15 minutes um, on YouTube. Uh, for maybe you'll months. learn your lesson. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got one strike against me, two more strikes, and I'm, my account is terminated. Um so anyway, this will see the light of day, the Mystery Titans portion on uh, Daily Motion, hopefully. Um, anyway, so then after we do that, we'll come back and wrap things up with analysis of the fight and a discussion maybe of the, the legacy of this fight. Um, because, it, it, you know, it's an interesting story, like how this happened. You know, Muhammad Ali at the time in 1976, not only the biggest sports star in America and the world, he was, you know, one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Oh, icon. completely. And uh, cute. And also, which, by the way, we're not taking advantage of Ali's death. Well, well maybe a little bit. Well, a little, a little bit. bit. But, you know, we're not the only ones because we have competition, apparently. Yeah, you pointed out that uh, uh, <laughs> Bill Apter is releasing the audio of of him and Bruno Sammartino watching uh, the match, so... Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Bruno and Bill After are Mystery Titans Theater-ing yeah. the Alianoki fight as so well. So you know what? we got to be very careful because we'll have the Japanese mob and the uh, mafia on us. <laughs> the After Mag mob. No, no, well, I was going for the Italian joke. But, yeah. <laughs> the Italian mafia, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. We'll... The thing about the uh, After Mag mafia is there's only three of them, but they pretend they're eight people, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, this 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 show is controversial. Um, but anyway, I, I, we'd be remiss if um, before we get into the the talk about the footage um, to talk a bit about Muhammad Ali, who recently passed away um, on June third, actually. And um, myself, I I couldn't remember him as a fighter. I was born in 1977, but you know by the time I can remember things, Ali was done fighting, and I was wondering, Johnny, did you remember Ali as actually a fighter? Oh, I do, but I never watched any of it. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't watch boxing. We didn't watch... My dad liked to play sports with us, but he did not watch sports. And uh, and so box, boxing was this thing that I knew of, you yeah. know, of course, because you knew Muhammad Ali. Basically, it's, if you're a kid... Growing up in the seventies, when when this uh, happened, I was six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Muhammad Ali was, you know, you just know that he was the greatest boxer of all time because he was, like you said, a celebrity, a star. It was only when you knew, uh, and like 
And when I would watch boxing occasionally on, on Wide World of Sports and everything, I, I was always kind of bored by it. it. It just kind of bored me. Uh, but I knew him definitely as a fighter, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you'd, you know, he'd be on the Tonight Show or on the Dinosaur Show or on this and on that. And so, you know, he was just, you know, I, I never actually watched him fight until mm-hmm. watching footage later. Right. But of course, yeah, I knew him as a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got into boxing when I was about, I think before I got into wrestling, I was interested in boxing and, and especially even that, that early age, like the history of boxing. And I had this book that was like a pictorial history of boxing when I was about eight. So, um, that would have been probably when I got into, uh, Muhammad Ali for the first time. And knew the story of his famous fights against Joe Fraser and George Foreman and um, and all that. Of course, they didn't talk about this one uh, with Antonio Inoki. And, and, you know what? It's funny. I think with me, it was uh, – I think I was introduced to boxing on television shows and movies before I actually yes. watched real boxing. Right. So I was like, well, this, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks for reminding me, Johnny, because what got me into boxing now that I think Rocky. of it was – Rocky, yeah. and I loved that movie and all the sequels and then you know the the soundtracks. I had the albums um, to them, and that's what got me into boxing. And of course, Rocky, um, uh, the character of Apollo Creed, is basically Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah, right. So you know, there's that, and like Ali just was his influence was huge, and the fact that he got involved in professional wrestling is a really interesting footnote to his career um true it wasn't you know professional wrestling in the united states but i mean antonio Inoki, if you know your wrestling history is a major major wrestling star um mileage varies on his uh, the quality of his wrestling as you know on titans of wrestling uh years ago now we we did watch um quite a few Inoki matches against bob backland and, you know, a couple of them were good, but I didn't think any of them were great. And I've seen other uh, Backlund and Noki matches outside of Titans of Wrestling, and, and I wasn't blown away by them either. And a lot of Inoki's work, you know, just doesn't thrill me. And I, I'm a guy who does like a lot of Japanese wrestling and a lot of the older Japanese stars. But he was a big deal. Of course, Inoki was the, the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And basically how this all came about is that the story goes um, that Inoki or sorry, Ali met up with, uh, I believe it was uh, like a head of Japanese athletics or wrestling or something in 1975. And like typical Ali, he made like a, you know, a boastful claim that, well, there's no Japanese athletes that could possibly, you know, uh, challenge me and, and, something like that. And it became a big story in Japan, like in the States. It pro- I don't even know if it was reported, but it took on a life of its own in, in Japan, apparently. And so there was this kind of, you know, idea in Japan that Ali had disrespected uh, their culture and their athletes. So that was in the air. And then, you know, the wheels started going in motion. Antonio Inoki had formed New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1972. Um, and then, of course, uh, Giant Baba, his big rival, had formed All Japan Pro Wrestling uh, around the same time or sh- shortly after. And 
All Japan was the more important promotion at first because um, Giant Baba was the biggest star in Japan, bigger than Inoki, and Baba had the pipeline of NWA talent that Inoki didn't have. So they were able, uh, All Japan Wrestling was able to get all the the top American stars, which was a big, huge deal in Japanese wrestling at the time. Inoki had to rely on lesser names and basically decided to create this whole shoot style or, you know, um, more serious approach to pro wrestling that became his calling card. And he was involved with guys like Carl Gotch, the god of wrestling. Um, Lufez played a heavy role in um, New Japan at, at the start. Which could, be, and, which could be also related to the fact that uh, it's not talked about much, but you know, looking back, you go, Lufez, one of the great men of the NWA. At this at this period of time, Lufez, uh, I believe, had major falling outs with the NWA yes. as, as well. Yeah. Yeah. He had, uh, it happened in the 60s. And from throughout the 70s, Fez was basically like an outlaw, mm-hmm. um, you know, wrestling in Japan, but also, you know, wrestling uh, in Memphis quite a bit because that was like the only one of the only places uh, that he could be booked outside of uh, the NWA influence. Um, so, yeah, Anoki had had like the legit wrestlers and he had begun the whole um Basically, the gimmick was he was the best fighter in the world. He wasn't just the best wrestler. And he had begun having these matches, worked matches, against, like, judo champions. And I think uh, the first one he had was about four or five months before the alley fight. And it would become a, you know, it was something he would do for the remainder of the 70s and into the 80s, where he would take on boxers, judo champions, um, all kinds of things, which was basically MMA before MMA, but it was worked. It was totally worked, even though, you know, it was it was supposed to be presented as legit as possible with no theatrics or anything like very boring. I find, you know, if you're going to do pro wrestling and have work matches, who wants to watch a, a, a worked a serious fight like a serious um, wrestling match? It's not my thing, but. It kind of started to work, like, for uh, Inoki, I think. Um, but he also started to get some names. Like, he signed uh, um, Abdullah the Butcher away from All Japan, which was a big, big signing. And and the, the tide started to turn as we got into the 80s, and, and New Japan overtook All Japan. But then we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so the fight, you know, it came about mostly on the Japan side, but... Um, Anoki had connections to Vince McMahon Sr. and New York. Um, that was kind of his big connection to the States. Um, so that they sort of got together and, and decided to uh, make this uh, like a big, huge spectacle. Ali versus Anoki, boxer versus wrestler. And, you know, it was co-promoted in the States by... Well, in New York uh, for the WWWF, they held a show at Shea Stadium, which I referred to, um, where they actually drew 32,000, which was the highest uh, wrestling attended wrestling card in, I think, 15 years at that point, uh, going back to the O'Connor, Pat O'Connor, Buddy Rogers uh, match or card in uh, Comiskey Park in Chicago in 1961. 
And but that's there's an asterisk on that attendance number because the main event at Shea Stadium was Bruno Sammartino versus Stan Hansen in a revenge match based off of the match where uh, Bruno legit had his neck broken against Hansen at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and they had to beg Bruno to do it because it was uh, when the numbers started coming in about oh yeah tickets. Vince said, uh, oh. Uh oh, you know we 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 need we we need something to to, to make people to bring people into this, and that was uh, that was what it was. Oh, totally. The advance was weak. Um, they had Andre against Wepner, also at Shea Stadium, which I probably was pushed as the actual live main event, more even over uh, Bruno and Hansen. But Bruno and Hansen drew the crowd. Um, Wepner was a heavyweight boxer. He was the inspiration for for the Rocky Balboa character in many ways. Um, He went 15 rounds with Ali in 1975, I believe. Um, He was one of the great white hopes uh, that, you know, was was a thing at that time. And so he he you know, he was a he was a name at that time. And of course, Andre was Andre like that. That was a natural sort of freak show attraction match right there. Um, But in other areas, so, you know, some, like a lot of the other territories at the time got on the bandwagon and promoted a show in their big city, in their territory, where they would show the Ali Inoki fight on closed circuit TV on big screens in the arena. And that's what they did at Shea Stadium too. But for the most part, all these other uh, shows... And there was one in Chicago promoted by the AWA. There was one in San Francisco. Uh, there was one in uh, Atlanta with uh, Jack Briscoe against Dory Funk as like the live main event there um, and, and several other places. But for the most part, those shows didn't draw well at all. Um, boxing fans, you know, of course, they, this was like the peak of heavyweight boxing, right? Right. Uh, but they wanted to see a boxing fight. They didn't want to see a boxing a boxer versus a wrestler. No, they thought it was they thought it was fucking stupid. Yeah, and you know, for the states, uh, from the perspective of the United States, I mean, who was Anoki? Anoki was right. a no name. He had no name at all. He had wrestled a bit in the '60s in like Memphis and Kansas City, you know, mid Carter at best. Uh, Giant Baba was a huge name in the in States in the 60s at various points. Um, to this day, probably the biggest Japanese star to ever um, have success in the States. Um, but Inoki was a nobody. So it wasn't like Ali was fighting Bruno Sammartino or something like that. Yeah. Or Andre the Giant. Imagine if yeah, that, now that See, now that would have gained interest or even even uh, Harley Race or, or something like that. It, I was yeah, and I was thinking earlier like superstar Billy Graham. Think about uh, that. Think about what about Ali versus the Sheik? <laughs> well, because <laughs> I oh, mean yeah, at you, the time you think, you think Howard Cosell was disgusted. <laughs> oh, a fireball! Down goes oh, Ali. Oh, fi- no, a, a fireball! Oh. <laughs> Where did he buy the flash paper? It was very convincing, though. <laughs> By the way, this oh, is yeah. the first time 
we've done since we've been doing podcasts where I've gotten to do my uh, my co-sell. So I'm, I'm, oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, well, we got we got lots um, to look at, and 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 some of the footage we were looking at yeah. is actual wide world of sports right. footage. Now, now, Kelly, who was the, the promoter who publicly said that he'd want anything to do with it? Was it was it Bill Watts? Uh, I don't think it was. That no, couldn't have been. That was too early for. Uh, yeah, he wasn't the official, he, uh, or he may have just been starting as a promoter at that time. I know there was one. Oh no no! I think I'm thinking of Memphis, where they just uh, said "fuck it" and then and then did their own like low rent version of it or some shit like that. Right. Yeah. Like for the most part, like the NWA wasn't too terribly into it. Um, yeah. It 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 was an ambitious attempt. Like nothing on this scope had ever been attempted for pro wrestling before. Basically what wrestling was trying to do was to emulate boxing with the closed circuit stuff. Right. And, and to try and do like a national, something that appealed nationally, um, which of course we know in the, in the seventies, it was, it was the territory era. Um, and you just didn't have that national um, coverage right. for one single thing. And you have to figure that, even though Vince senior was still in charge with as far as the New York connections go with all this, I'm mm. sure this was one of those ones that, uh, Vince junior was really pushing for with his old man, uh, you know, to convince him to, cause this was right around the same time as the snake river Canyon, uh, yes. job for evil can evil that Vince was highly involved in as well. Yeah. Vince or Vince junior invested big in yeah. that. And he invested big in, in this thing, uh, the Ali and fight. And uh, took a bath on the whole yep. thing. <laughs> because, yeah, like they, they set up the locations around um, the United States. And for the most part, they just didn't draw very well. Um, one interesting promotion I stumbled upon. I had a file once of all these clippings that actually was um, the famous uh, wrestling writer uh, from England, John Lister, um, put this on PWO once of all these newspaper clippings. Um, surrounding the fight. And one of them was from Houston, where it was uh, a Houston Astros baseball game at the Astrodome. And the advertisement was, it was a double header. Stay for, you know, come for the baseball game and stay for the Ali and Oki fight on the, on closed circuit. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, so number one, you got a double header, mm -hmm. which even when you're a baseball fan, as I am, a doubleheader is long, and that's a lot of baseball to sit through. And then followed by this, and, and then just an Astros doubleheader in nineteen <laughs> in nineteen seventy six. The Astros yeah. stunk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, I, did they? I can't imagine how many people that drew. <laughs> Yeah, I, I should have looked up uh, the attendance for that. I'm not sure if it was an actual baseball doubleheader or if the doubleheader was oh, okay. a baseball game and the Inoki. Well, never, I think of that. Okay, good, because I was like, holy shit. But even, even yeah. still, so, yeah. the, what, I guess there'd be some crossover there, but <laughs> that's just that just like, I can't imagine. Like, you know, we're going to sit around and watch the Astros. Then we're going to watch Ali fight a, a Japanese guy we've never heard of. I know. In something that but, in something that 
when it was being reported by the real sports media at the time was being shit on. Oh, Just totally. Shit on left and right. Yeah, and another thing I noticed in the clippings was that they couldn't even get Anoki's name uh right. Nobody could. It was it was misspelled constantly. Uh in, in the different articles that I looked at, it, it was it was sad. What like, no, was McLean Stevenson writing the articles? Because we're going to that. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into the footage here. Um, <laughs> basically, we're going to look at first a pretty famous angle from the WWF from the Philadelphia Arena involving Ali and Gorilla Monsoon. Um, we're going to look at footage from Chicago for the AWA, where Ali actually works two. Uh, wrestling matches and 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 the footage of wi- of one of them at least was shown on the wide world of sports show mm-hmm. with Howard Cosell comment- <laughs> commentating over it and th- this is amazing like I'm going to put up a playlist for everybody to appreciate because you got to see this stuff um, and then speaking of the Tonight Show and McLean Stevenson we are going to see we talk about footage from the June 14th 1976 Tonight Show with McLean Stevenson, who was um, Frank, or no, oh, what was his character? he was Blake. Blake, right on uh, Mash. Yeah, how was... dare you? <laughs> Sorry, Confused. it's been a long. Larry Linville was Frank Burns. Right, uh, he was the original, you know, uh, leader or uh, captain, right, um, on Mash. The Colonel. Colonel. Oh, Did you Canadians watch MASH? <laughs> My dad watched Jesus it a lot. Christ. But I, I, it's been years. Anyway, he was a big uh, name at the time. Um, Not quite. No? No, no. Here's the thing. He, McLean Stevenson made one of the worst career decisions of all time. Right. He left MASH after the third season just as the show was taking off. Uh, that was back in the day, kids, when... Uh, with only three networks, they would give a show sometimes a couple of years to find an audience. And it took MASH about that time, and it third season took off. He decides to go on to bigger and better things. There was contract, whatever. He leaves the show that's about to become like, one of the longest-running shows of all time and the biggest hits of all time. So he then proceeded to have just one after another failed project, failed right. sitcom project for the rest of his career. But he, uh, back in the day when Johnny Carson was on the same, he had, had lots of rotating, uh, guests. So, so he was enough of a name to do it and he was good at it. But, uh, it was at one of the, this was definitely at a point where he was like, I can't believe I left fucking Mesh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he was, he actually hosted the Tonight Show 58 times. Yeah, it was, he was good at it. Johnny liked someone who had a bit of a name. Or, you know, who could handle the desk. And he was good at that. So that or maybe he felt, yeah. sorry, he felt sorry for him. <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to look at that uh, with um, Muhammad Ali and Freddie Blassie as guests on The Tonight Show. Um, and this is an amazing. Uh... It's amazing because this, I never knew this happened or existed. And yeah. so this was. To me, this is the crown jewel of, of everything we, we, we've watched for this show. Yeah, for sure. And then we have actual footage from Japan, uh, Japanese TV, to discuss. Um, some of it is hilarious. Some of it is tedious. Um, some of it is just plain out there. Um, 
but we got that all leading up to the fight. So uh, strap in for well, it's neat, it's it's neat. We get to see what an example of American 70s television and Japanese 70s <laughs> television was like. It's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so first, here we are. Uh, the Philadelphia Arena, where they taped TV back in those days, before they did um, TV in Allentown and, and uh, Hamburg as well. Um, June the 1st is the date, 1976. This aired June the 5th. So this is Championship Wrestling. Um, June the 5th, this, 1976? Yeah, that was the day you are uh, your sixth birthday. My sixth birthday, yes. There you go. I've known you long enough to know. My birthday. Birthday and the age you would have been. <laughs> well, you know, if you weren't all constantly making old man jokes. Um, so, yeah, um, this is a pretty famous angle. This was on one of the, or probably several Coliseum home videotapes. It was definitely on the best of the WWF volume one. Yes, that's right. Because, yeah, I saw it right early um, in my viewing of uh, wrestling tapes. So the match, uh, well, we have Ali in the crowd um, watching a match between the all-Asiatic champion, (laughs) (laughs) Gorilla Monsoon, um, versus Titan's favorite, the one, the only, Baron Mikel Cicluna. Johnny, take it away. Oh, the Baron, who especially looked like he didn't want to be there. I mean, the Baron never looks like he wants to be there. No. Like, he really didn't look like he wanted to be there. He made some cool hand gesture, like gang sign. Uh, yeah, gang sign. gang sign. You know, he's keeping it real. He, he's from the he's keeping west side of Malta, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this is like we've all – everyone's seen this a million times. Uh, but clips. There was a – this was unclipped. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, of course uh, – the, the monsoon tosses the, the Baron after like a minute, and uh, I guess Ali is a big fan of Malta, and this infuriates Muhammad Ali, who then takes shirt off, he gets in the ring, takes shoes off, and he's spinning around like taking little jabs at uh, at monsoons, like he's like swatting away the punches and and stuff, and then Ali does the famous he points, and monsoon gets him an airplane spin, dumps him. Uh, like his handlers take him back, and he does the, the the famous interview with Vince in that ringside. I was like, "Well, it seems Gorilla that Muhammad Ali has been saying that he can beat any professional wrestler, and he was going, but he couldn't. You know, he didn't have a good showing this evening. Uh, I was saying, of course, it is, Vince. <laughs> oh, he's he's a little gassed, but not completely, and it's yeah. it's just. He's like, ah, you know, he, you know, he's supposed to be some kind of great boxer, but you know, he doesn't know a wrist lock from a worse wrist lock. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe the first time he ever said it on television. I, that may may have been the the first time that phrase was ever uttered. Well, I mean, yeah. it's a famous phrase, but I think it might be the first time that Monsoon said it on television. But right. which is, it's become his phrase. But uh, right. and he's like, you know, well, you got, you know, had him prone, you could have done. I could have broke his arm. I could have broke his leg. I could have broke his neck, Vince. <laughs> no, oh. and he's all just like and he's this giant fat old man, you know, and you, who was in the ring with like Ali in his almost pretty much his prime, you know. <laughs> it just makes you laugh because it's like, well, if it was real, 
and Ali got in close enough. He was like, well, the wrestler just grabbed him. Ali was so fast that he could have got in one shot to the jaw of Monsoon would have been not fucking cold. Not <laughs> so you're calling cold. it. You're calling it if this is a shoot Ali over Monsoon. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, okay. Let me tell you this. I, I, it, well, and we'll see in the main event why I, I, I think this is so. No one, no wrestler is going to want to try to get in on a guy like Muhammad Ali knowing how fast, you know, these guys could hit one jab. You know, we know how boxers fight where one jab that moves just a couple of inches can have that just a knockout power. You know, poof, one boom on any one of these guys' jaws, you knock him fucking out in a heartbeat. You know, right. but, you know, Ali loved wrestling, so that's, that's a big part. You know, he always said, you know, he was always confused, like, well, who'd you get your inspiration from? Was it Fred Blassie or Gorgeous George? And you go back and forth and who it was. And right. he always makes like th- those comparisons. He's like, Gorgeous George taught me everything. I know. So he was a mm-hmm. fan, which, as we'll see in Japan, he did his best to be a wrestling heel. And oof. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, Ali's connection to wrestling, you know, over the years, he, he had several encounters. Oh, yeah. And it was when he was first starting as a boxer um, in 1960, I believe, in Las Vegas, where in the same arena, uh, it was, I guess, two consecutive nights. One night was going to be a wrestling card. The next night was going to be the boxing card. And Ali was there. And I think it was at a radio station uh, where he was going to hype the fight on the radio. And at the same time, uh, Gorgeous George. And the main event for the wrestling show, I think, was Gorgeous George versus Freddie Blassie. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he saw George um, or Blassie or both uh, talk the fans into the the to going to the show on the radio, and the proof was in uh, the pudding here because the wrestling show outdrew the boxing show by quite a large margin, I believe. And Ali made a note of that. Is that well? I mean, how did it, they draw those fans? Well, and that was well, you know that if, it's, if, if it's like if it's the talking, which makes perfect sense, it was Blassie because Gorgeous George was not known as some great uh, uh, mic guy. No, especially, but he did he did do some promos with some catchphrases mm-hmm. like saying he was the prettiest. Was was it? Oh, I, I'm I'm saying this probably seems like an amalgamation of both. Was the right. influence? Yeah, and then um, in 1976, when they paired Blassie up with Ali for this uh, fight, when he when Ali saw Blassie, he was like, "You were the guy. You're the guy I saw in 1960 that you know influenced me." All right, okay, cool. Right, but I, I, whenever he told it outside of that, outside of 1976, he always said it was Gorgeous George that influenced. Well, uh, you know, probably, and Ali's sharp, probably. More he knew more more people knew that name. Exactly, George was the national name. Blassie was big on the West Coast, uh, big in the South in the fifties, but not a national. Name. And, and, Ali, and Ali grew up in. He's from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where I was born. Went to college. Uh, in fact, the the Louisville Gardens, uh, where I saw Memphis wrestling, and uh, there were fights there too. Uh, it's it was renamed Muhammad Ali Boulevard a long, long time ago. And right. uh, uh, so I would imagine kid growing up, it was a hot wrestling town, you know, probably experienced it as a, as a kid too. Possibly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely possible. 
Yeah. Or, or you know, he would be angry because I'm sure it was segregated at the time. So. Yeah. Um, I was, in, you know, watching this uh, footage from um, the Philadelphia Arena now, uh, as opposed to a kid. I was interested in how, you know, because we've watched a lot of 70s and 80s mm-hmm. TV tapings from the WWF, WWF, and it just the fact that Ali was there is is remarkable. And I was wondering what the crowd, you know, was like. And you could see that there was, you know, when he was introduced, you, like some of the faces were kind of in shock that someone like Ali was oh, actually of there. Yeah. Because, yes, they should be. The most famous man in the world is suddenly yeah. sitting over there at ringside. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm positive that he wasn't sitting there for the whole goddamn card. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'd like to think that he sat there for all three uh, <laughs> for the, yeah, the entire <laughs> the tape, four hours. Him, him and his entourage in their full seventies pimped out suits. Yeah, were just there the whole goddamn. No, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, the angle is kind of weird because it was like, why was he so upset about Gorilla throwing Cicluna over the top rope suddenly? I well, how about this? Um, of course, he doesn't give a shit about Baron Cicluna. It's that you have the champion of the world, the greatest fighter, and right. it's suddenly in front of him is another alpha dog. Mm-hmm. And who uh, and that vibe comes off and you have to get in there and challenge him. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, I'm sure that's what they were going for, but it did seem right. odd. It, well, the odd thing is Gorilla Monsoon was beloved babyface. Yeah. And here we'll see, as everyone knows, it's always more fun to play a bad guy. Uh, yeah. And we'll see this in Japan too, is yeah. that probably Ali, you know, you know, he's be- beloved by everybody. You know, yeah. he went in to be a bad guy. Oh, yeah. That's what he wanted to do. Like his he two a, influences were. Yeah, he is a total heel. I mean, and he was a heel in the 60s, you know, for a large portion of the <laughs> population. Well, you know, for white people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, that, then, and Joe Frazier. Yeah. And that whole thing. Yeah. Like the first time they fought, you know, it was there was still. And the whole thing about him converting to Muslim and taking the Muhammad Ali name and all that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. We can well, talk about of course. Yeah. I mean, no, it's been talked about ad nauseum, but uh, the, but then of course the the draft thing, which was uh, actually that, actually a, a, a great great you know heroic thing that was done. But we'll just we'll leave that yeah. there over there. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a wrestling show yes. after all. Um, <laughs> but it's funny also. Just one last thing is that of all the places like Ali showed up for a wrestling show, it's the Philadelphia Arena. Yeah. You know, not uh, Madison Square Garden, not the Spectrum. No, he he just happened to pop it. Well, it was because that. it you know well because it was for the TV. You know, right? Had to be, but uh, I, right. But it, it, looking at it from like a kayfabe perspective or well, it's kind of weird because in a kayfabe perspective normally the way they shot the arena and the way they shot Allentown quite often made the place look a lot bigger than it was and the philadelphia arena was pretty decent sized actually uh it was a huge field house yeah but they yeah. never like said we're coming to you live from the philadelphia arena it was always right. like, just this nebulous place that existed exactly. you know yeah. so 
on television, it looked like a giant building with a huge crowd. The cameras just aren't panning up to the three levels of more people that don't exist. <laughs> right. Oh, wrestling. So from there, we have more of Ali involved in uh, in American pro wrestling. Um, yeah, this is now everyone's seen that. No one's seen this shit where you dug this up. Yeah, well, it's been on YouTube. It's been on YouTube for quite some time. Right. Um, so we're going to Chicago now, uh, the International Amphitheater, famous wrestling arena. All right. In if, Chicago, if only we had um, what's his face from the fifties. Oh yeah. Um, his oh, name damn. escapes me. Totally I'm ashamed of myself. Like, you yeah, know, me too. The guy from the that the fifties footage. Yeah. Imagine him, yeah. Imagine him calling this. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, brothers and sisters, uh, some may call him Muhammad Ali, but I'll stick by calling him Cassius Clay, like his mom, <laughs> like his mama named him. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So this is June twelfth, um, and we have um, it's it's the wide world of sports. This aired on the wide world of sports, folks. Yes. Um, a huge show at the time oh. huge television show uh, abc tv on saturday late afternoon uh it was very odd so it doesn't even exist anymore a huge hit show that's not in prime time but saturdays at like three or four eastern time which was a death slot the only thing on TV at that time would be Godzilla movies, Star Trek reruns, wrestling, <laughs> you know, old having mm -hmm. old. It just that, and it became a huge hit because they didn't just show because they couldn't, they weren't going to be able to show the football or baseball mm -hmm. or anything. So they showed everything, you know, mm -hmm. not wrestling for the most part. I think maybe once or twice, maybe, but uh, mm -hmm. they did show the Harlem Globetrotters once a year. <laughs> yes. But ski jumps and evil could evil and, uh, and then this and all kinds of stuff. And it was a huge hit with a, a Howard Cosell hosting and the the memorable beginning credits yeah. with a yes. great music when he talks about yeah. the thrill of victory or the, the voice like the thrill of yeah. victory and the agony of defeat. And the agony of yeah. defeat was a guy going off of a ski jump who eats, yes. who eats it. Terribly, <laughs> yeah. and I would imagine that that guy had to eventually have committed suicide <laughs> because that show was on for a long, long, long oh, yeah. time. And with the same open, the same ne never changed. So once a <laughs> week, everyone watched that asshole eat it and almost <laughs> get killed. But but because it looked terrible, but after watching it. Every Saturday for twenty years, it became like ah, you laughed at him. Oh, yeah, poor oh, totally. guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a great, yeah, uh, big, yeah, big show. I, I never really watched because I didn't care much for about the sports. There was that fat yeah. Russian weightlifter who was always on it, and I, right. I waited for the Globetrotters. That was the only time I ever watched. So yeah, I did. I did not see this. No, I would have remembered. Um... Yeah, because it's it's pretty amazing. It's Ali actually stepping inside a American wrestling ring here in Chicago for the AWA. Um, we have Vern Gagne as the referee. Oh, you know that because the back of his jacket says Vern Gagne. <laughs> and it the first match we're going to look at. Yes, there's two folks. 
um, is Ali versus Buddy Wolf, who, you know, I did a little, I did some bio notes, but I'm not going to do a, a, a bio on him. You know, this is a, it's, it's probably not the right place for it. I just want to mention a few things about Buddy Wolf. He's, he's kind of like a Forrest Gump of wrestling. Is he retarded? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean more the, the <laughs> appearing in, in uh, like ex- exceptional places, you know, one after the next. Uh, so besides this, besides the fact that he actually wrestled or f- boxed or whatever you want to call it, Muhammad Ali in 1976, he, um, he wrestled Andre the Giant in Andre the Giant's Madison Square Garden debut. Oh, wow. Yeah, March the 26th, 1973. Uh, he was, you know, he had a decent uh, run. I, I know the name. I, I, the name is quite familiar, but I, the, the Buddy Wolf who I always see in my head had like bleach blonde hair. Yeah, and he did, I, I think, for a good part of his career. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he wrestled in the South quite a bit uh, in Texas, in Florida, um, and he wrestled in the AWA a lot. Um, started in 1973 and was there right until like 87, 86, 87 um, with the AWA. And uh, his other uh, claim to fame is that he was married to Vivian Vachon at one point, yeah. um, the, the, the sister of uh, Mad Dog. And Butcher Vachon, and uh, quite the attractive lady at her peak. She was known as the Wrestling Queen. They even made a movie of her in the 70s called The Wrestling Queen. Um, so, yeah, Buddy got around. And, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, some impressive highlights to his career. Um, you know, to See, say you that know he actually must, had a- You know, he must have been a badass because, you know, you had the Vachon brothers. It's like, yeah. oh, no, I'm fucking your sister. You good with that? <laughs> no, I'm gonna marry her. It's all, it's all good. Oh, fu- well, yeah. Mad Dog is was a legendary uh, street brawler. Or imagine that he he was they were just fooling around, and the Vachon brothers got him in an alley or the or in the shower. <laughs> saying, you're going to make an honest woman of her. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Yes, Mad Dog. Yes. Um. So anyway, yeah. So this the whole premise of this was to try and get over the fight to American audiences to show that Ali was, you know, training to, to take on a wrestler. Um, so these are like three round exhibitions basically. Um, so, and this one, this, this one against Buddy Wolf has Howard Cosell doing wrestling commentary for the one and only time in his career. Um, Vince McMahon Jr. Actually in 1984, called Howard and wanted him to come and be uh, his head commentator for WWF. Cause that was at a time when after Cosell was uh, let go from uh, Monday night football oh, and he was kind yeah, of that. floating around, but of course he, he, he didn't take it seriously and, and uh, didn't happen, oh, but Vin, it did reach. <laughs> that would have been like, you know, at the time rock and wrestling and all that stuff. Um, so anyway, Johnny, um, what do you think? Well, of- I have to stop for a second because I did not know that, and I'm just now my mind is awash of hearing Howard Cosell's voice doing his best to call wrestling and doing it because this was after the Monday Night Football thing where uh, the guy the guy was running with the ball, you know, African American yeah. guy, and he said, "It's yeah. like look at that monkey run, which little monkey, that little monkey yeah. run," and people yeah. were like, "He's a racist, he's a racist," and. 
I know enough about Howard Cosell to know it was not racist. It was just a, it came out. He said it. Right. There was it was like about it really. There was no racist thing. It was just a, a bad choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> trying to be um come up with like something Howard Cosell to say because yeah. I think we if you look at the history, especially his relationship with Ali. Yeah. He's not a oh, fucking. Yeah. He was never a goddamn racist. That's no, he was. He he would. He insisted on calling him by uh, Muhammad he Ali. Was the first, when, he was the first. Yeah. Yeah. When 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 Ali changed his name and and all the entire white sports media refused to call him Muhammad Ali and kept calling him Cassius Clay, uh, Howard Cosell was the first one who immediately went no and did it. So it was a okay, soapbox done. But here, Howard here, <laughs> he. Uh, He's just very upset with this whole thing because he feels the champ, who's the champion of the world in legitimate boxing, is engaging in something that tarnishes the sport of boxing. He's really not shitting on wrestling so much as they shouldn't mix. Because a few times he's like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, oh, that looked impressive, you know. He's like, like Buddy Wolf takes a big, big back bump at the end, and he's like, oh, what a great dive! The, uh, the he should have been on the Olympic diving team. He would have gotten the ten. Uh, uh, they're doing something silly, and he's like, oh, a very dignified posture for the champion. Just uh, he's not happy about this whatsoever. Oh, no. No. Yeah. yeah, He's calling him Tony Inoki. (laughs) He's going to face this Tony Inoki fella. He's just. But then Howard probably is also not aware of blading. (laughs) Because he's like, it's just an exhibition. Well, you know, he's a, but Ollie's and Ollie's peppering him in the forehead and he starts to bleed, and, and Howard's like, well, that's that scar tissue he's not supposed to be hitting him. Oh, no, see, now there's blood. Like, like thinking, like, oh, look, uh, not like, he's a crimson mask. No, he's like, <laughs> he's like, this is all such a goddamn spectacle piece of shit. He's not even supposed to hit the guy in the scar tissue, and now we're bleeding on wide world of sports. Fuck you! <laughs> it's that's what it was. It, it's oh, it's awesome. Oh, I love the fact that Buddy Wolf fucking bladed. <laughs> <It's the best. laughs> you, you said you worked mainly in the south. <laughs> hey, you know, you're, you're, you're one of those. You're, you're one of the tie-ups. Hey, hey, tramp, mind if I get a little color? Did you call me colored? No, no, I mean get a little juice, huh? No, bleed, bleed. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, God. This this is this is one of the more absurd things I've ever seen. <laughs> I and then for like people like us, suddenly there's the shot of Vince Jr. in the ring yeah. with a microphone <laughs> while Vern Gagne is standing next to him. And you're yeah. like, well, that's that that's the Twilight Zone shit for wrestling gigs. Oh, yeah, yeah, this whole thing is bizarre. Like, oh, and Dick the Bruiser. Oh, right, and, uh, but Dick the Bruiser. Corner. Two, they two, call him two. Dick the Bruiser. <laughs> and he didn't insult him because at the time Dick the Bruiser was like solid. He wasn't fat with a beer belly. 
Yeah. He's just solid muscle. He, he says, he, he does not like, look at this character. No, no. Yeah. No, this whole thing was unreal. Like, Ali's taking backbreakers. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Wolf. Um, Wolf Blades, of course. And Cosell's just awesome, you know. Beautiful performance by Buddy. Beautiful. Um, however fictional the scene, Ali could get hurt. Yes, however, you know, this Tony Inoki is an unknown. However fictional, champ could get hurt. He's like, it's what the, why is he doing? Oh, it's great. Yeah, and then Ali cut a promo after yeah. the match. But what's and, funny and, is, looking back on it, this was his best match. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This was, and it's maybe his best promo too. He 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 calls out Bruno San Martino and Gorilla Monsoon. Oh yeah, because Blassie's at ringside. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Blassie's there. The next up coming for San Martino. I want I want Bruno San Martino. So yes, you know what? So did Vince. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't gonna happen. Oh uh, yeah, this is just amazing. And now we go. I think this was taped the same day. It's in the same place yeah. in Chicago, International Amphitheater. Now it's Allie versus Kenny J, the, the Sodbuster. The Sodbuster? Yeah, that's what he was known as. Um, which, of course, is like, you know, he's a he's a salt-of-the-earth farmer. The only time you – it's always an insult. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. No, in every Western, you know, it's like – the guy, the big rancher who wants to own right. all the land, hires the bad guys. You can go and take care of them. They're sodbusters, you know. And then, <laughs> and then Shane rescues them, you know. Right. <laughs> well, he was. I mean, he was. You know, he was a, a jobber to the stars for most of his career. Um, yeah, my new long time, thing. long time AWA guy. Um, that never really rose above, you know, I think he had like a couple, uh, matches where he was teamed up with Vern and the crusher against, uh, some heels, but otherwise, yeah. And he was there for, for years and years, oh. uh, in the AWA into the eighties in 1985. In fact, wow. yeah. So this is a, you know, for him, what a highlight, uh, to be chosen. Well, well, to, if uh, I saw him job on Pro Wrestling USA, they, they dropped the Sodbuster name by that time. <laughs> um, and this now, this footage is is not Wide World of Sports. This is actually the great Bob Luch. Is that who that is? Uh, uh, yeah, on commentary. Hmm. I'm I'm almost 100% it was him because he was the Chicago guy. Okay. Yeah. I had know, no idea who it was, but it was like it was like two sides of a coin. Between Howard, Howard Cosell and now him. Yeah, there's tons of videos out there with Luch commentating footage from Chicago, uh, AWA footage uh, from the 70s. Also, um, you know, like uh, Cleveland, Buffalo, NWF stuff, a lot of 70s stuff. And he was, uh, you know, always doing like a very over the top um, hype job commentary thing. Um, he's definitely an acquired taste. <laughs> but he's doing commentary for this. Ali versus Kenny J. What did you think of this? Well, one? the announcer, he's so happy about every goddamn thing that's going yes. on. I mean, <laughs> the sodbuster could have pulled out a pickaxe and put it in Ali's head. 
in the middle of the ring, and this guy would be like, ah, look at that, it's up, ah, it's something. He's <laughs> so diametrically opposed to Cosell. This guy yeah. is just loving every minute of it, everything's a hoot. Yeah. And, uh, boy, isn't this just the greatest thing you've ever seen? You know, wow, boy, aren't we lucky to, the boy, he's real down homey, I get it, I, I, can, I can see this guy's appeal. Uh, yeah. In fact, he seems a bit of a derivative of the guy we're talking about whose uh, name escapes from the 50s. So it's from right. the same area. You know, it's, it's still a like, ah, hey, we're all just having a good old time here. And the match itself, um, not as uh, fun as the Dusty Wolf match where you have back, backbreakers and, and blood. So yes. it just sort of... Was going on. There was a lot of uh, Vern having to separate them, and, and Vern, of course, showing what a badass he is by tossing around Ali. You know, yeah. but but you know, it probably a thing of like Ali's just like, okay, you know, he's going along with it. You know, but you know, Vern was wanting to. You know, I want to show people. You know, he was still an active guy, and their number one star. I'm sure he threw a few. It seemed like he threw a few extra, like, I'm a tough guy things in when he would like, pull Ollie away. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of this whole thing was to try and show that wrestling was, was superior to boxing, like, especially with the um, the Gorilla Monsoon uh, alley bit, right? And then the comments made afterwards, mm. and then Vince Jr., um, you know, the whole thing. Which, which goes to show you. Even then, certain things that Vince Jr. were involved with were done quite better than uh, than others. It's like the monsoon thing was quick, memorable, mm-hmm. uh, shot well, uh, kind of shocking, and uh, was great talking at the end. Boom, done, and everyone remembers it. Like this, this stuff went, went way too long. <laughs> You know, you you got guys concerned with being protecting the business and all in their way. Where well, no, Vince, right. Vince and Monsoon just did it in under five minutes and, and right. far more effectively. That's true. Um, and oh, and before we continue, the the announcer that we forgot uh, the name of was Russ Davis. Russ Davis. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. So for I'm people, ashamed of myself. Yes, I'm very ashamed. I actually had to Google that. So uh, I, I will admit. Uh, five-time Brain Buster champion uh, Kelly Nelson had to Google that answer. <laughs> I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit. Um, okay, so moving on now to to uh, Hollywood. Oh yes, to, to La La Land, to the Tonight Show with McLean Stevenson. Holly, it's Hollyweird. Hollyweird, and this is some weird stuff. Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh, weird, wild stuff. Ed. There you go. I, I pitched you a softball there. Oh, thank you. Um, so, like we said um, earlier, McLean Stevenson, um, popular guest Ooh. host of the Tonight Show. I was looking at the the episode guide for the Tonight Show at this time, and yeah, Johnny, you know, he he took a lot of time off. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of guest. By this time, Johnny was the king. Of a late night, and he really sort of you do whatever the fuck he wanted. And uh, but another thing people need to realize is even when Johnny had guest hosts, the Tonight Show was. I mean, yes, it still exists, 
but not like it was then. The Tonight Show was something that every grown up pretty much watched. Like right. my my parents didn't because like, my dad liked to go to bed at like eight. You know, <laughs> he got he got up at four in the morning and stuff. So, and my mom had no interest in it. it wasn't the same. They, they didn't have a TV in the room because the way people watched the Tonight Show was grown ups who had televisions in their bedrooms, right. who just lay in bed and watch the Tonight Show. And yeah. and I, I, everybody watched the Tonight Show. Johnny Carson was a, a, the biggest star maker in the world, and uh, yeah. and so even when it was guest host, people still watched the fucking Tonight Show. And uh, yeah. so that Freddie Blast, who was on the fucking Tonight Show at this time, it, I mean, Clay Stevenson did a great job, but God, I wish that was had been Johnny. Do you imagine? Oh yeah, me too. Uh, that would have been oh one of the all time classic well, moments. I'll tell you, Fred. <laughs> and well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Carson had no competition at. Oh, time. none, was, none. Yeah, there was there was nothing like nothing. Night, Nightline had hadn't even come no, into Nightline had come out yet. There was nothing. It was reruns of like mm-hmm. the million dollar movie and shit like that. Mm-hmm. This was at a time also, kids, when at a certain point of the evening, almost every station stopped broadcasting. Right. You know, there were not not all stations. But a lot of stations, and now that concludes our broadcast day, yeah. you know, for like at three in the morning, and then at like five in the morning it comes back up. Yeah, we would get the the Canadian national anthem played. We did the same thing exactly. Yeah. Oh no, not the Canadian national anthem. <laughs> oh, that wasn't standard in North America. Uh, well, no, that, that was what they played at three in the morning, and that's why no one knows it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we are, The Tonight Show, McLean Stevenson as host, and at first we have Allie out um, by himself, mm-hmm. and then um, after a break, he brings up Freddie Blassie, and Blassie just kills it here. Kills it. He totally kills it, comes off as a huge star. And funny. Uh, and f- yeah, he just he he's he has the whole room in the palm of his hand. It's amazing. Uh, Johnny, what did you uh, he just um, the, the initial interview? It's very Tonight Showy. You know, Ali is not being like, and I'm gonna get my hands on an okay. I want an okay. You know, he's he's doing a little of that, but you know, it's it's the Tonight Show, and uh, you know, we had to wait until you know Jay Leno was on the Tonight Show before the wrestlers came in and did angles. You know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but he's but you know he's playing it up like it's real. He's like, oh, then okay, you know, you know, I want to make sure that like, he can be dirty, so I've got the dirtiest. And he's talking about Fred Blassie. He said Fred Blassie. And he's like, well, I'd love for you to meet him. And the kid's like, yeah, sure, great. But then getting back to other questions, and they finish the segment. And Ali's such a big star. That's a that's a two segment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a comeback, and uh, he's still on the couch. Yeah. And he talks a little bit more, brings out Blassie. He gives him uh, the the spot on the couch next to the desk. Yeah. Ali gets up and because I remember Freddie went to sit on the other side between Ed right. and uh, because whoever sitting in that spot was akin to sitting on a throne next to the king. Right. That was that, that's what it was. Ooh, someone's sitting in that spot, and Ali gave it up for him. You know, it sounds silly now, but that meant something then because it was a Tonight Show. And uh, 
And then, yes, Blasi kills it. Uh, at one point, I mean, he's just going on. He, he, he goes on doing his wrestling shtick talking, and finally stops. McClay Stevens is like, does the whole takes a big breath, like, oh, oh wow, like, holy. Yeah. I looked at him like, what the hell was that with a smile on his face, though? Like, wow, what the hell? That was insane. Yeah. And yeah. then he's going on some more, and Ali breaks. Because yeah. Ali's trying to keep it together and be like, yes, that's right, Mr. Blassie. And, and finally, Freddie Blassie breaks Ali on live television. and yeah. uh, Or it was pre-taped, but they did not edit shit out. Right. Uh, only curse words. And uh, Ali is turning around, you know, trying so the cameras don't see. But you, it's obvious he's laughing. I mean, he's breaking up worse than Harvey Corman on the, the Carol Burnett show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tim Conway would do it to him. I mean, that yeah, it, this this fucking ruled. And when McClay Stevenson really got into it, stuff. So Ed McMahon not involved whatsoever in this. He was no. like, not not even one. Johnny would toss to Ed, but you know McClay Stevenson was having none of this because he could barely hold this thing together. But but it's it's glorious. I, I love I love this. Yeah, I love this too. I was aware of it, you know, years ago, but I hadn't watched it until just a couple of days ago. And, you know, Allie comes out. Stevenson's totally in awe of Allie. Oh, totally. Right. And he wants to talk boxing, but Allie goes total into full cell mode for the, the wrestling. For the wrestling. Yeah. yeah. And he talks about, you know, what he did to Buddy Wolf, basically, like uh, making him a bloody mess. And, um, and, and Allie people was, laughed when he said it. Yeah. He said, I left yeah. him a bloody mess because. That's normally hyperbole from Ali, you know? Yeah. And if you're like, oh, that's funny. You're like, no, no, no. The man cut himself with a razor blade. <laughs> yeah. And Ali was good here. He was good at selling oh, yeah. the whole match. Um, he brought up Monsoon and that whole thing. And then Blassie comes out. And there's this one fan in the crowd that you can tell is a wrestler. Oh, yeah. Fan. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he pops for the name, Freddie Blassie, first with like a woo. And... <laughs> <laughs> the only one like no one else recognizes him. but it, this is in la too fitting is, because yeah this is uh, yeah. after johnny moved the tonight show to california yeah and so this was blassie's backyard uh of course he was a huge star in la in the mm -hmm. 60s early 70s and then blassie comes out and yeah ali goes into you know pretty serious mode oh and that was it i mean, I mean clay stevenson's uh comes calling him what hope Hokey, Hokey and Oki, like he was feeling like I don't know who the hell this guy is. He was going Hokey yeah. and Oki, and he was no, oh, it's Lantern, not Lantern, Landing, Landing Strip Jaw, yeah, yeah. and like that's what I mean, Lantern, Lantern, like, yeah, and that's funny because in the in some of the hype there was I think a press conference maybe even New York or somewhere where Ali called Anoki the Pelican. <laughs> as a joke right on his chin his prominent chin jaw that's funny and then in retaliation Anoki just handed him a crutch like in a total like cold-blooded sort of <laughs> fashion he's so, like here so wait, they re gonna so, need this after the match so they reuse that then because yeah. the crutch thing on the, the footage we uh, watch here that's right that's right yeah. yeah so that's that would have been the retaliation yeah with the crutch but the the Pelican thing came earlier. No, I was thinking they uh, did the crutch in both cities, knowing that neither would see. Just like how Memphis used to do the same match across the whole. Oh, right, yeah. Well, man, maybe they did. <laughs> um, yeah, so Blassie, 
this was like a like a rap battle where <laughs> yeah. You know, Ali got his rap in. Stevenson, I mean, you know, he's, he he didn't have much, but Blassie comes out and like okay. kills him. Stevenson, Stevenson was Flava Flav in in the middle of this. He was the hype guy in the middle yeah. of like two master rappers doing the hype <laughs> the hype shit in the middle. <laughs> but I loved how it's like team wrestling comes out and fucking kills it. Oh yeah, and Blassie just it was awesome because like the crowd you can tell are like totally behind him. They love this guy. He does the pencil neck geek um, mm-hmm. line. Um, yeah, this was just this was the Freddie Blassie's the shining moment. This was awesome. You have to imagine. I mean, making the movie with Andy Kaufman that they did it was it was great. No, but nobody saw that. That was a mm-hmm. short film he made and, mm-hmm. and and all that. But Freddie Blassie being on the Tonight Show and killing on yeah. the Tonight Show in nineteen seventy six is probably the biggest thing ever in his career yeah that's it's 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 awesome i'm so glad we got to see this uh because we both love uh freddie oh, fuck yeah you know he's one of one of titan's favorites and uh this was a great moment wait, wait, for wait, him yeah, let, me, let, me, let me show you uh you know what i've taught ollie he's like i get his arm like this i show him you know you can break it like that and uh <laughs> and yeah 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 like, the help Thing. For yeah. a split second, you you could sense some people in the crowd just because they could see the visual of how to snap an elbow. You know that you're like, oh, <laughs> and then it went right back, <laughs> right right back to silliness. It was great. Yeah, yeah, the the, the broken elbow demonstration. And McLean supposed- Stevenson uh, just losing it, and like doing the whole like the host throwing up his hands. I give up. Well, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was actively cracking up the whole time too. So. Yeah, it was it was it's amazing footage. Yeah, because that really shows you like how talented Blassie was as a performer. I mean that he could get over in an audience, you know, before an audience that didn't know who he was at all. And then, except, it, except for one guy, <laughs> except for the big super fan that was there. Um, but otherwise, you know, probably very uh, suspicious of pro wrestling as well. And yeah, he it was actually Super Eight was on vacation. Visiting relatives, and they got to yeah. the night show. He was sitting there in the front and, row with his camera. With his camera, they let him. And a, Super 8 does the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's filming. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is where we got the footage from. Because <laughs> I've never from seen it before. The Super 8 collection. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so now from one uh, TV show, we go um, across the world to another, uh, well, various TV shows here and, and television footage from Japan. Um, I, I hate to be jingoistic, but ours was better. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it definitely better than the, the Japanese press conference thing we're going to look at. Um so this is now we're in the home stretch. This is like a week uh, before the fight or, or a few days, I guess, before the fight. Um, so we have a whole bunch of different footage here. This was all on uh, Crazy James's uh, 1975 to 1978 WWF set. Yes, who I'm giving a uh, a yeah. round of applause to because the work he did on this is what sent him. Uh, uh, right. it, it's what it's what caused him. To uh, 
uh, go nuts and throw the water fountain through the window and escape the asylum like chief at the end of fucking cuckoo's last and leave just carnage in his wake was making this set. Cause not only did he have to watch a lot of really boring old WWF, the, <laughs> the, the amount of professional detail he did in the, all the, the bells and whistles of this set could be, you'd think this was done by a, that you bought this. Yeah, professionally done. It's it's. I'm giving credit where credit is due. So, so. oh, for sure. Uh, it was a, a great, great work, you crazy, crazy bastard. Wherever he's, you are, he's our Sid Barrett. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's where we get this Japanese footage. God knows where he got it from. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine <laughs> where he got this. I don't know. Because it's 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 taken directly from Japanese TV. This is not something that was like shown no. in the state. No. Um. So the first thing we have is Ali and Freddie Blassie arriving at the airport, <laughs> <laughs> and and Blassie's in full heel mode here. The champions invading Japan. Japan. The champions invading Japan. That's he keeps saying. <laughs> There's like, what does he say about Pearl Harbor? Pearl Harbor. He just yells Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Because <laughs> he knows that he doesn't have to add anything to it. Yeah. Says, Pearl Harbor. That's going to get, you know, oh, Jesus, really? I mean, that that's the kind of shit that if it happened now, um, there'd be giant threads on message boards about people about going, I can't believe it's all oh, so offensive. Ugh. <laughs> oh, but you know all those Japanese fans were loving because Freddie Blassie was famous in Japan mm-hmm. he was the guy who caused the heart attacks yes he was the vampire the vampire who I mean Freddie Blassie while might have not been known except, except by that one guy on you know in the audience of Tonight Show now he's in a built place where the people paying attention they know who the fuck he is he's a huge star in Japan and, yeah, but yeah, so crowded airport. Ali's <laughs> going through. He's kind of, he's kind of like, I want an okay. I want and Blassie just starts. It's over for an okay. Big funeral for an okay. Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. An okay sinks. An okay sinks. Ali <laughs> has returned. Like MacArthur. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's just throwing it. And I'm me. like, okay, he's Pearl Harbor, MacArthur. Right. I, it, I'm like, this is outstanding. <laughs> because they're arriving. This isn't in a TV studio. This is footage of them arriving in the fucking airport. They <laughs> got off the plane and went full in on this with the real media there. Not the fake wrestling media. The real media. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, there, there's tons of people there. Cameras flashing oh, everything. Oh, it's a mob. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> wild. <laughs> and Plasio just... Pearl, Pearl, Pearl. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this. Yeah, this is great. And then we go to a press conference... 
where Ali claims that he's a black belt. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I've got a black belt already. No, it, no, it, it all changes as he's talking. He he starts by saying, "I'm being trained by the great champion of Taekwondo," and he's and he's teaching me Taekwondo. And the guy goes, oh, Taekwondo, Taekwondo, <laughs> karate. He's he's teaching me karate. In fact, I've already got my black belt. In karate. <laughs> so he just starts changing it. On yeah. the fly to go in his head, <laughs> he realized is how quick he was. In his head, he realized that he just said he's being trained in karate. Oh no, that's not good because he's supposed to be the karate man. I have to be a goddamn black belt. So he he gave himself a black belt in the span of uh, probably about as fast as Elvis got his, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is the snap of the fucking fingers. Uh, but here he's also dealing with translation. So that little gaffe that we hear where he just changes the story in the middle of it, no, 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 that, that, didn't, that, that wasn't translated. You know, it's a <laughs> genius, genius work. Yeah. And yeah, Ali's, you know, full on heel here. And he, oh, yeah. and he, he was doing this in the States, but he plays up the whole, the sneaky Japanese oh, sneaky. cliche. I don't want no sneak attacks. Which is the total American wrestling cliche. Well, well, not just that. It's Pearl Harbor, sneak attacks. uh, You know, maybe, maybe, okay, that's why he went after Monsoon. Because Monsoon was the all-Asiatic champion. He don't like those sneaky Asians. (laughs) So... Even though I think the Japanese invaded Manchuria. Wasn't that a thing? Well, yeah, well. <laughs> anyway. Still Asia. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then they do the uh, the, the elbow-breaking uh, demonstration oh, again. Yeah. And Ali predicted uh, a knockout in the eighth round. Eighth round. Yes. You know, that was his thing was to predict the round. Um, unfortunately, he's way off <laughs> that prediction. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to predict the end of this fight. Uh, how are you going to predict the end of the fight? I was going down in the eighth round. Oh, no, no, yeah. wait, 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 here we go. It's going to go all 15 rounds. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Noki's going to be on his back. Noki's going to lay on his back and kick me in the knee for 45 minutes. I'm the greatest. <laughs> And from there we have some uh, An- Anoki. <laughs> we have some Anoki training uh, footage. Um, oh, well, we have both. Yes. We have Ali doing sparring. A very long. Why they yeah, quite the need long. to show the entire spar? <laughs> but there was a huge crowd for it. Yeah, it was very well attended. Of it was course. like a sellout crowd. It was Ali, of course. It was a huge yeah, just deal. to see him spar with some old fucking. Uh, Palooka, <laughs> yeah. Well, this would have been a lot of uh, Japanese fans' ch- only chance, probably, to see him. Which, they wouldn't have. It would, which, because it was all just you know a spar first, but it, it, towards the end, you know, they threw a little thing, and I could swear I heard them kind of talking, probably saying, "Okay, let's let's give you know, right, give them a little show here," because all of a sudden, yeah, Ali yeah. starts going wop 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 because they, they had headgear on and shit. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for most of it, it was just an actual spar, which is just, you know, there's nothing exciting about that. No, there's a harbinger of things to come. Um, <laughs> and then we have Inoki's uh, sparring session, which is which is him uh, with a succession of wrestlers of where he makes, makes them tap out uh, each time, pretty much. Yeah, because uh, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the boxing workout they show is Ali, one guy, they've got headgear on and crotch things on, because that, that's how you spar, but... That's what they show for him. And then they show Anoki, you know, just making guy after guy after guy tap. Oh. Sneaky Japanese Pearl Harbor me. <laughs> with the juxta- juxtaposition of the videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes Anoki look like a total killer. Um,. And then we go to a Japanese talk show of some sort <laughs> with with Ali uh, Blassie and also Angelo Dundee, yeah. um, Ali's uh, legit manager um, in boxing. And the audio was kind of screwy here. Mm. Um, it's because it's being translated into English. But there was also – it sounded like someone in Japanese was commentating over this. Yeah, it was it was hard to follow. So there, you had Japanese and English at the same time, and you just couldn't really um, follow it. Um, it was a lot. See. It was a lot of the same. Yeah, a lot of the same. The dirty tricks uh, point. Yeah, you said up. something about, and I just wanted to know. I love the Japanese people. It's just a no kid that I that I hate. And I, one thing I noticed is the Japanese are very clean people. <laughs> Which. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, you look all around. Everything's so clean here. Nice. So he meant to say that you are people who keep things clean. But when you hear <laughs> you're very clean people, it kind of sounds like, is he going around and, like, smelling them and admiring them? Oh, they're so clean. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, and that's why I want to make sure he's not dirty. I was like, <laughs> okay, I see where you were going, Ali. But, uh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I laughed at the part where it was Allie in like the hall going to an elevator and he was cutting a promo and just the look on the faces of his entourage were, were like what the fuck are we doing here what is going on uh-huh. <laughs> like can we go back to America now and, and do boxing again yeah but just like oh what, what are we have to... <laughs> where can we eat yeah also that they could meet. <laughs> I heard there's a steakhouse, and you get a free. Yeah, you, we'll get free jackets. Where's the Ribera Steakhouse? Maybe it hadn't uh, opened. No, yet. no, Ali did. He's the one he opened it. It was all hush hush, but he was just there for one week. We need steaks. <laughs> I love the wrestlers, but let's just keep my name off this. Um, and then finally. We have the press conference to end all press conferences. Um, it's like a contract signing, public exhibition with a band playing. Contract signing, more like a contract killing. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Ali is just—I don't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> what are your thoughts on on Ali and this? Okay, this 
So what they're doing is they're doing the whole contract signing thing. And Ali is trying to play up the, I'm so angry, I want to get my hands on Inoki. And Freddie Blassie and his, um, the guy who's teaching Taekwondo, who looks about the size of a Charlie McCarthy puppet, who just sits on Ali's <laughs> knee, you know, and, uh, and, and, okay, that's fine. That's kind of cool. But Ali is trying to really wrestle it up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's awful. It looks like it, 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 he's acting like a guy who's shit face drunk who wants to fight. Like right. He's too, yeah. He's too fucked up. And he's all like, oh, I mean, you know, the one hold me back, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, where you're like, you're, you're, it's a good thing your friends are holding him back because you probably couldn't even walk. And then when he get, does get away, he just stumbles over, like tapping him on the shoulder. Like, if I didn't know that Ali was a devout Muslim and did not drink alcohol or anything, mm-hmm. I would have blamed it on that. But he was, because <laughs> yeah. like, that's what it seemed like. Uh, joking aside, it's that's exactly what it seemed like. And he was just playing up the whole, I'm so angry, I want to kill him. He keeps going after the one. The one good thing is like all the young boys or the other mm-hmm. dudes mm-hmm, in their mm-hmm. New Japan uh, uh, mm-hmm. monkey suits, you know, the, the, the red <laughs> yeah. the red track pants and the red and white t shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was going after them because they're like off to the side, yeah. and he's going over to them like I'll fuck all you motherfuckers up. So there you got the thing of okay, we're here to do the contract signing, and you bring along your fucking gang. I'm fucking Muhammad Ali. I'll fuck all you assholes up. And right. that part was good. It happened twice in 20 minutes. The rest of this, Ali was either, it looked like he was having a fit. Uh, he would start snorting <laughs> at one point and he's trying to do like wild eyes and keep trying to get at Inoki, who is sitting as still as a fucking statue, yeah. not reacting or selling any of it, and I kind of get of the Japanese stoic warrior thing from a entertainment perspective, wrong choice. And you, so you got if he would just reacted somewhat to this, mm-hmm. you know, trust me, it took me just right now to make me figure out a way to make Antonio Inoki the villain in this piece. But he is because if he had reacted to all these crazy shit. Just somewhat, it would have made Ali's shit seem more tolerable by not reacting to it at all. You know, this is still supposed to be at this point an entertainment thing, right? A work thing, and I was like, oh, that wrong fucking acting choice, and it just led to more Ali, and then it went on and on and on and on. They had to like, mm-hmm. well, like with, with an actual legal contract, they each had to sign three contracts, you know, and here and here. Uh, and here, initial here, initial here. Yeah. It was like me fucking when I filled out my mortgage. This, yeah. Fuck. And the whole time, Ali's had to be held back. He's getting up. Freddie Blasters is going on and on. And, yeah. and and Odoki grabs the mic, cuts a few minutes. And then you get Ali in the background going, he's talking Japanese, of course. So Ali's in the background going, What's he saying? What's yeah. he saying? And Ali's just not coming off as like a crazy badass. He's coming off as just crazy. Yeah. You know, and this, oh my God, this was a train wreck of monumental proportions. <laughs> yes. 
It was again it was, a harbinger of things to go. Yeah, that's that was what I noted on this one too. Because yeah, I mean Ali is just not good here. Uh just just he's not charismatic at all. He's just I don't know, it's just a total mess. Leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the one funny thing he does say, though, is when they they agree it's going to be a winner-take-all. Oh, that, yes. Go ahead. And he does say, is that including the wives? Is that including the wives? And then something, and he says it again. Is that including yeah. the wives? And the, um, the Japanese guy doing the translating <laughs> is yes. fucking pissed. And he goes, oh, we don't need to hear next. So oh, he says, what does he say? Don't ask ridiculous questions. Don't ask, that's it. Don't. don't. And it's, he's got like an English accent. Yes, the yes. Japanese translator, and he's like, oh, don't ask ridiculous questions. And then Ali reacts to that, like, I'll fuck you up. Yeah, that, yeah, I forgot all about that. That was great. Yeah, that was the highlight. Yeah, you could get as that, the confrontation with um, uh, the New Japan guys, and boil it all down. This could have <laughs> been passable, but holy mother of Jesus. Oof. Yeah, I know. It was hard to watch, and it, it, yeah. Anyway, all so now on and on and on. <laughs> so as we we talk about one thing that was hard to watch, we're about to embark on watching something that's legendary for being hard to watch. And I've never seen the whole fight before, Johnny. I'm, I'm assuming you I haven't know. either. I've done, <laughs> I think I've seen clips and still pictures. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what I've seen. Um. So yes. Oh, and one last thing at the weigh-in. Um, All right. Anoki actually outweighed Ali by about three pounds, which is somewhat surprising. Maybe I, don't I wouldn't know. think so. Ali was always a—I mean, Ali was a heavyweight. Yeah. Ali always uh, weighed down at the uh, as, as light as he could be, basically yeah. to the end of his career, of course. But right. he always kept it lean for a, for a heavyweight fighter. That's true. Um, okay, so now. Fans, we're gonna take a. He's pretty. He's pretty. Um, we're gonna take a break. Uh, we've got the ads, of course, for all our other fabulous shows, and um, you will now want to uh, pause this podcast and go and log on to uh, Daily Motion or take the link. Uh, hopefully, this all works out. Um, if it doesn't, then just discount what I'm saying right now. Um, Big pause. And- Think and we're gonna do a mystery titans mm-hmm. theme on Andre the Giant versus Chuck Wepner from Shea Stadium, and then the big one, folks, Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Noki from the Budokan. Um, Fifteen rounds of action, um, and we'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on the Place to Be Nation. PlaceToBeNation.com, The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. 
Place Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to the Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and PlaceFination.com. You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with main event, Mission Indie Possible, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. And relive wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series, led by Ben Morse and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. we got sports covered, too, with the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Dr. G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Sr., the Kings of Sport, led by Live Audio Wrestling's godfather, Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast and the TJ McClune Show. PTBN tackles pop culture and irreverence with Richard and the Mailman, the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, and if you like a hybrid of all of this in list form, check out Jordan Duncan's Rank and File. All of these shows are available on PlaceFeedNation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. We want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceFeedNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling-only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network, where you'll find a ton of in-depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's one-two punch of Exile on Bad Street, and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave. Goodwill Wrestling and the reaction shows with Good Old Will from Texas. We got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show. Tag Teams Back Again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze. And a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. All right. Uh, so, yes, um, we just went through that whole thing. Um, it was quite the experience. Um, Andre versus Chuck Wefner was worth it. Was, yes, worth the price of admission, I would say. No, worth it. Uh, it was like, cause a lot of what we saw sucked. Uh, yeah. And uh, with a few things, that was okay. This was okay. That was better than I thought it would be. That was awesome. It was, it was like the. The, the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. I mean, Andre was was in his prime physically and was moving around good. And Wepner, uh, he, he was, he was awesome. He was so into it. Yeah. And then you had the whole thing with Monsoon and then the the uh, the Wepner contingent outside oh, the God, ring. Yeah, the Don King contingent, man. Yeah, the Don King. It was it was awesome. We if there's anything you all do seek out, yeah, uh, to watch that we uh, we're gonna miss we miss your science theater the Andre match right? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Check it out, man. That's that's the the, the crown jewel of the show. Yeah, there's that. But I mean, yeah, the, well, the, the footage. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the the rest of this show, all of it is a crown jewel for our amazingly witty conversation. <laughs> yes. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you got the Tonight Show footage, you got the the wide world of sports stuff, and and uh, and the Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's lots of there's lots of gold here. I, I just um, it's, it's the amount of the the amount of shit almost. Uh, it's, it, 
it's starts to it's the last thing you watch is like uh I know suppressing all the gold, but we all we knew what we were getting into. It is what it is. It it was a, a horrible like, spectacle. Unfortunately, I mean there wasn't much they could do. I guess I don't know. Inoki was on his back kicking the whole time. Ali tried to make it interesting, but it was 15 rounds of, of nothing. Yeah, it, was, it was like my marriage. It started out great and ends up in the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's not a lot to say. I mean, it's not like we're going to do like a round-by-round round, uh, breakdown here. Um, uh, well, I actually, I took the liberty of... <laughs> <laughs> you did the scores. I I got it as a hundred and two to a hundred and hundred for Anoki or something. I don't know. I think Anoki probably did win on points. <laughs> um, but nobody won. Um, watching that thing, nobody won. <laughs> you know, it 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 failed. You know, it didn't draw a lot of money and it also failed as an entertainment um, venture so it, it was a double failure but we spent like three hours talking about but, it but so you know it, it, you know though within one year Antonio Noki would do the job take the one two three from Tony Curtis in a mask <laughs> And pajamas. So I think Ali, it, okay, here's the thing. If, if, the, if those kicks helped end Ali's career, fine. But Ali's sass helped uh, end uh, Inoki's career. Because the next time we see him in America, he's one, two, three to Tony Curtis. That's right. And the rest of the bad news fucking bears. Uh, fuck you, Pelican. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> uh, but that does happen when the bad news bears go to Japan. Japan. I saw that at the drive-in. <laughs> and Noki just couldn't crack the American market. He tried a lot, but oh, wouldn't happen. Oh, Noki-san, we hear bad news bears are very popular. Uh, mm. No. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, so before we go, uh, some plugs uh, for upcoming shows. Johnny, do you have something? Uh, Brain Buster is coming back. Yes. Um, it will be recorded the first week of August after I'm done with my play. And uh, another stuff's out of the way, so uh, it is definitely coming back. And once again, Please, uh, if you got a couple bucks lying around, go to GoFundMe.com, type it into the search engine, Camille versus Breast Cancer from Longmont, Colorado, and uh, help my uh, uh, my best friend's uh, sister out. So uh, thanks. In, hey, look, we just provide you with three and a half hours of goddamn free content. Get your mm-hmm. fucking money. Get your money out. No, no, I don't. The hard sell's no good. Uh, Anything you can do is cool. <laughs> I'll use my Canadian politeness and say, please donate to this. Yes. Um, yeah, Brain Buster. So when, when do I get my uh, rematch? Uh, we'll see. I, I, I'll announce it here, but uh, we're starting fresh. No more returning champion shit. 
Shep, uh, he's uh, Marty is now the official champion of season one. Everything's good. It's just going to be um, who could be on and enjoy the show that way and I'll do returning stuff and then maybe do a tournament of champions sort of thing uh, at right. the end of the year of the, the, the recurring guys who won the most games. We'll do a, a one-night tournament of champions sort of thing. I, okay. I think that's a, a, a better idea. Yeah. Does does Marty know that he's... No, I just announced that for the first time right now. (laughs) I've been thinking it for months and months. Right. Well, hate to break it to you, Sleaze, but you're you're no longer the champion of Brain Buster. No, 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 no. He's the champion of season one of Brain Buster. Champion in a season of one. Season one was all these shows. He's season one champion. Okay, okay. Um, well, for myself, um, this will be an announcement to make uh, for a upcoming summer show that I have in the works with uh, a longtime friend, someone I grew up in Calgary with. Uh, uh, with uh, Moss? No, no, no. Moss, <laughs> Moss, is, <laughs> Moss is actually a friend from uh, Victoria when I lived there. Who says weed uh, causes uh, memory loss? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, this is my uh, dear friend Travis, who I grew up with in Calgary, went to uh, junior high and high school with, big wrestling fan. We watched a ton of wrestling as kids, um, as teenagers, and we both now live on the, the lower mainland of BC um, in the Vancouver area, and uh, we're going to do a podcast on Stampede Wrestling. Oh, nice. Yes, uh, a mini series. So probably at least four episodes, maybe as many as six. And uh, we are going to have the first one out for mm, the beginning of July in there somewhere. Stampede cool. Week uh, in Calgary is always in the at the beginning of July, where they have the the big exhibition in Calgary, which is uh, an annual event. So, yeah, the f- we are uh, hoping to get the first one out for around then. And we're going to look at the oldest footage um, out there of Stampede, which is from 1961, and which coincidentally features uh, a young Gorilla Monsoon oh. as Gino, Gino Morella in uh, 1961 wrestling in Calgary. Well, if you, if, you, um, if you need someone to do a Stu Hart impression, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we, we got to um, – <laughs> speed dial johnny um but yes that's I, that's my uh, well, well well you know what um, i'm gonna do another plug uh if it's as good as your uh, debut official debut of uh, at the garden is uh then you're gonna have another uh, great show in your hands because uh yeah at the garden did uh fucking awesome awesome well, thank you. I, just, I I love doing that. And and uh, the next episode of that will be out uh, mid July. I'm working nice. on it as we speak, and it's uh, another labor of love project. And it's just uh, like yeah. the, the the guys who maybe were saying, "Oh, we should put up more and faster," or or, or I like long. You know, you you are helping slow the youth down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm the the punk rock alternative. The alternative. To all you're the, slowing it down, and to all these prog rock podcasts. Well, the, as far as keeping it short, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but the whole um. You know, now we're just getting one, you get one a month. It's, it's yeah. gonna be well produced. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you're going to learn something while I hope being entertained. It's, it's exactly. the NPR show of podcasts, and I, that's why I love it. It's uh, yeah, you did a great job, bro. Well, thanks again. Um, and next time on Titans of Wrestling, hopefully we'll have the full crew back, and we will be blow hell, blow hell if he hasn't left uh, England, merry old England yet, and uh, but, move to no, no. oh yeah, Scotland wanted to leave again. Uh, Northern Ireland wanted to join Ireland again. Well, this is what it takes to put the Protestants and the Catholics together. You're like, oh, fuck you. Uh, poor Parv up in Wales there. You know, he's like, I'm going to declare this Parv land. And I <laughs> secede from the British Empire and join the European Union. And he's going to be coming up with a big lab theory to figure out how he can make it legal. Yeah, I, I can. I just picture him like coming up with like a top ten list of worst political decisions in history right now, or something like that. Uh, well, um, this would be number one right now. In <laughs> right now, this would be like he's like this, yeah. this totally smokes the assassinating the archduke. Exactly. This is like this is his Ric Flair. Um, he has to do a five part podcast on it. Um, all right. Yes. Hopefully we'll have the, I, the band back together for a real Titans episode next yes. time or for a, an old school official Titans episode or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, eventually, you know, the greatest bands start doing some solo projects and get back together again every now and then. It's, that's how mm -hmm. it works. Exactly. We're, we, we have a story that we've been telling for three years about you know, the Bob Backlund era of WWF, and we we will uh, finish that story yes, eventually. And, and that story is almost over, so if I was Dr. Phil, I'd say, I think perhaps you are purposely trying to face the inevitability of being done with this project. And that's what's causing the solo shows, I think. So. <laughs> yes. That's a good diagnosis. We're I saw a bad Dr. Me. Phil, though. Rather. No, that was a great Dr. Phil. <laughs> um, but yes, we're delaying the inevitable headline of Titans of Wrestling Breakup or something like that. No, be the end of like that end of the uh, the the funny Justice League breakdowns that finally ended and <laughs> right. just as I've been, you know, us staring up at the... <laughs> okay, let's, you know, cut. I'm done. Okay. Good night, everybody. Night. All right, dude. Yeah, I got to go before I get into <laughs> more. Before you don't get married. <laughs> exactly. Later, man. Yeah, later, dude. This here's the story of Cassius Clay, who changed his name. Catch me if you can.
gotta wait. He's gonna get his whooping, but I just have to wait. Before I was ready, I was gonna upset the world again. The whole world was gonna crawl and bow the next morning. I was gonna defeat that big indestructible George Fuma. I was gonna rip him up. I was gonna get him for the spawn punch. My dreams all messed up for six more weeks. The man's in trouble. The man is scared. He's in my country to start with. He's <laughs> in my country. You want to see? Want me to show you he's in my country? Ali Bumuye. Ali Bumuye. Ali Bumuye. Can you catch a hundred thousand? 